take your Bible to Titus chapter 2. As promised, uh, I'm spending the month of May on the ladies, uh, the ladies' place in God's plan. And yes, today's age and what's going on, this is not going to be a popular message. So I'm expecting probably some hate uh, mail and, and some hate, you know, uh, deals on uh, if it, because we're live streaming it. But I'll be careful to try to make sure that I explain that this is God's viewpoint. This is biblical, a biblical worldview. Now, if you're an individual that does not have a biblical worldview, worldview, then my message today is going to rub you the wrong way. I don't mean for it to rub you the wrong way. I'm not trying to aggravate people, but uh, we are uh, duty-bound and commanded from Scripture to teach God's values and God's principles. Now I'm going to read a verse of scripture over here in Proverbs chapter 14 verse 1 because it's very important and it will uh, go with the message because we're talking about the ladies. The Bible says every wise woman buildeth her house. That means ladies you have the responsibility to build in your house. But the foolish and he's talking about foolish women. Foolish women, they pluck their house down. They, they, they plucketh it down with their hands. And I do preach a message. I don't know if I'll get to it this much uh, this month on how a woman or how wives dismantle their marriages. I believe there needs to be more preaching on this, on how to get along. If uh, you need to view it as in if you buy a, uh, a, a car... And then you do not use that car as it was intended to be used. Some people buy cars, you know, four doors, and then they try to make four-wheel drive vehicles out of them. And you see them stuck out in a field somewhere. And, and <laughs> yeah. did I hit on something? I'm sorry. I've done that myself. But then you get mad because the car's not performing the way it should. That's because you're not using it for its intended use. You want a four-wheel? You need a four-wheeler. You need a four-wheel drive or something that's a nature or an all-wheel drive vehicle. The same can be said for marriage with husbands and wives, a lot of times they do not operate in their marriage as God has intended. And so, therefore, you begin to have problems. The Bible is clear that a wise woman, she will build. She's a home builder. You've heard the name homemaker. That's a wise woman. She will build uh, her house. But a foolish woman doesn't care about that. And she's not going to be a home builder. And hence, you've probably heard the term home wrecker. You heard that? A home wrecker. What is that? Well, that's a woman that has dismantled her marriage. So this morning, Titus chapter 2, we will uh, begin to read some verses here in verse 1. And this is for us. This is for our church. It's for our church age. It's for the local New Testament church and how a woman is to operate... In marriage, now remember, week before last, I preached on what, does, what is the meaning of I do. What is behind that little phrase? And I believe there's so many people today that are getting married and they have no idea what the meaning of I do is. They just like, oh, it's just something I said to get my way and now I'm legally bound and I get half of whatever he gets. 
or more. And so if that's the way you're looking at it, you're looking at it with the worldview. Remember, the world's ideal of love is love is an emotion, and you, you fall madly in love with somebody, and then if they upset you or do not live up to your expectation, you repent, repeat, and rinse and repeat as often as needed. You're like, ah, I'll get rid of this dude and I'll get me somebody else and we'll do it all over again. That's the world's model. God's model is be the right person, walk in love, following Christ, and love is an action. It's not an emotion. We look at the symptom or what we call the effects or the payoff of love and say, well, that's love. No, that's the effects. The emotion, a good emotion. Love is an action word. If you want to know more about love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But our marriages are in a mess. Over 50% of all marriages end in divorce. Uh, over 60% of all second marriages end in divorce. And so people that have been married and divorced, you're even on more dangerous ground, and it's more likely the statistics, if you can believe what you read, you can get different statistics, but you're more likely to end that one in divorce also. But it does not have to be that way, and it should not be that way to the child of God. Here we go, God's message to women. He gives it to the pastor, and the pastor's to preach it, verse 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Now, I've pondered that phrase, sound doctrine, so often. You want to know what sound doctrine means? It means right living. It means right living. That's what sound doctrine means. And he says, Pastor, you speak things that will become right living in the lives of your people. That the aged men, he addresses the men, and I told you my reasoning for not nailing the men first is because Mother's Day comes before Father's Day. And in the month of June, I will be on the fathers. And Jenny's been taking meticulous notes, and she will make sure that I say and enforce the preaching against the men just like I have been for the women. And if I deviate, she will quickly remind me and cut my bacon rations. And so uh, I'm very aware of that, ladies, because... I'm a man preaching on men, and that would be a conflict of interest, right? So you pray for your pastor that I get closer to God during that time, and it wouldn't matter that I'm a man because when it comes from Christ and the Holy Spirit of God, it doesn't matter even if I'm a man. I'll have to preach what God says to preach when it even comes to the men. And by the way, ladies, I'm harder on the men than I am the ladies. Uh, because God is harder on the men than he is the ladies. I don't like it. I'm a man. That rubs me the wrong way right out of the chute. But that's how God does it, and that's how I need to do it, and I have to do it to stay right with God. So he addresses the men, the aged men. Be sober, be grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Now he gets right to the women that the, uh, the aged women likewise. Don't ask me to define aged. You know what it means. <laughs> you know what it means. Don't get me in trouble this morning. The aged women likewise. So he says, everything that I've just said to the men apply to the women that they be in behavior 
as becometh holiness. That'll be their actions. What you see on the outside, their ethics. It needs to be as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Yes, ladies, if we have, uh, I'm wanting to maybe start a young ladies class. My wife will teach as she's one of the uh, uh, very sweet, lovely, mature women in the church to teach the younger women. Boy, I got that. That slid right there. That, I'll still get a little cake, don't I? Okay, all right, good. And why is our young ladies need to know where their place is in God's plan and how to conduct themselves? I've seen so many times these last 10 years, young ladies getting married. They don't know how to cook. They don't know how to clean. They don't know how to keep house. They definitely don't know how to do laundry. And they know nothing about building a home. And I blame that on their mommies. Now, sometimes uh, young ladies might not have mommies. Then I would blame that uh, on whoever their legal guardian is. We're duty-bound parents, the age, to teach the younger generation how life really works. And so he says that the older ladies need to be teachers of good things. There should not be a woman's class to teach young ladies on how to, hear, how the, how to make the world hear you roar. That's not going to be taught here, okay? If you want that class, you'll have to go somewhere on uh, else to hear that. You know, hear me roar. You know, that, that, you, you need to know that. And then we says that they may teach the young women, now we go, to be sober, to love their husbands. Yes, ladies, you've got to be taught how to love your husband. It, it is a hard job. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's really, really hard. Men are hard to love, okay? Uh, and you got to be taught how to do this. And if nobody's taught you that, well, then you're going to learn a lot of things the hard way, okay? And then he says, how to love your children. Yes, yes, children, especially if you've had seven. My mom had seven of us, and uh, I'll tell this on mom. At, at 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock, mom said all kids turn into maggots. And you get them out of my face. Get them out of here. you got to be taught how to love your children, you know. Uh, believe me, that needs to be taught today. There seems to be more and more uh, women or mothers killing their children today than I've ever heard of before. What is that? Well, they've not been taught how to love. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But how to be discreet and how to be chased, and how to be keepers at home. This is generally, that's the phrase that generally gets me in a lot of trouble. Keepers at home, because what's going on, I guarantee you, everybody sitting in here has got a, they've got, uh, you've got a mental picture in your mind when any preacher gets up and starts preaching on what a biblical wife or woman is supposed to be, you've got this mental picture that the world has put in there, maybe because of what you've seen in some churches, is that a wife is all beat down barefoot and pregnant, correct? And she's not allowed to have a voice. She's not allowed to work. She's not allowed to do nothing. And by the way, you're to be seen and not heard, right? You, you know I'm telling you the truth. 
I know, I know you know that. You've probably heard that. You might even said, yeah, I don't want to hear anything about that because I'm against that. And my, let me tell you something. If you've been exposed to that, or if, you, if that was your mindset, that uh, that's what you think of Christianity, or how Christian men have been treating their wives these last 50 years or 100 years. And oh, by the way, if you're from Appalachian, uh, Appalachian people, I call them hillbillies, uh, they're very good at that. I remember having an uncle years ago. I won't call his name. He's dead and gone now. But his his wife, he would treat her that way. If company come over, she was not allowed in the same room with company. She stayed in her bedroom, kept her mouth shut until coffee needed to be made. And I, I don't mean that was just what we thought was going on. That's what he would say. I heard him say that. And, uh, uh, and so uh, other people would say, hey, you shouldn't be that way. He said, well, you don't, you don't worry about that. And, and he, he abused his wife all, all those years mentally. And guess what? When she passed away, she died of cancer. He found another lady and married her. And guess what? First time he tried that, he got a black iron skillet upside his head. Knocked him senseless for a couple days. And I was there when he come up to grandpa's to complain about it. And oh, by the way, she came with him. And we all had a good horse laugh over that. And Grandpa, I remember telling him, said, that should have happened to you years ago. You mistreat people, especially your wife. And so I don't want you walking away today, ladies, thinking that that's going to be the normal song and dance. A preacher has this, has this ideal that ladies are to look like Amish ladies and wear little bonnets on their head, keep their little mouth shut and say, yes, I do. And when husbands come home, they grovel at their feet, scared to death of their very presence and making sure they got their tea and everything they want. That's not it. And that's not biblical womanhood. That's not what a biblical wife is to be about. And yes, it has been abused, and it's time that we stand up and preach against it. I don't care if they are members of the IFB movement or they're Baptists and they're Bible believers. When you begin to misuse or abuse your spouse, it's wrong. So ladies, I want you to make sure that you understand that's not what God had ever intended. A woman uh, is to be, that's why she come out of the ribs. Uh, that's why she come out of the side of Adam. She was to be an equal with him. Now, of course, in any team, in any team, and think about in your mind on back years ago when we used animals uh, to plow the garden, you had a team of horses or a team of mules or a team of oxen. Every team has a lead animal, right? That's the person that takes the, the first step. Uh, if it's a team of mules, you'll have a lead mule. If you're running a dog sled team, you'll have a lead dog. Well, the Bible has the husbands as the head of the house. They're over the whole thing. They're over that long-term vision where they dwell. But the ladies, they're yoked evenly. They have a role to play also, which is just as powerful, and I want to hope that I can get to today, that ladies, and you've seen it right in the, uh, the text here when I stopped reading, keepers at home. Now, that's, that's a very important phrase. You need to get that because there's another scripture in Timothy that says you're to guide the house. You know what that means? You're the head chef in the home and i don't mean that as in your chief cook and bottle worshiper uh washer you you're 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 running that thing 
don't ask me if we got enough food to make it till next week. How many, how much food, what kind of food, what kind of drinks. I, you'll have to ask the person that guides the house. That'd be Jen. Don't ask me if all the bills are paid. I don't know. You'd have to ask the person that guides the house. She knows all about that. She guides it. Man, she's got that thing streamlined. She knows what to do when, if anything at all happened to Jenny, my wife. Oh, I'd be a lost puppy dog. It'd take me two months. And and it'd just be terrible. We've we've experienced that a couple of times. She had a gallbladder surgery once, and she just said, just write the bills out. (laughs) What? There's bills? (laughs) Yeah. Write your little checks. You learn how. Well, yeah. You know, I can't even remember the last time I wrote a check. I I have no idea. I, I just don't do that stuff. We're going to talk about that this morning. Now, verse 6, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. And now let's stop there and pray for the sake of time. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now. Lord, help us today as we uh, get this message for the ladies from you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Now, as I said earlier, the meaning of I do, I preached a couple of weeks ago. And uh, this week, I want to cover the wife's role in God's plan for marriage. And this will be a message on what God has said about marriage. This is not going to be what the world says. And again, I want to draw our attention. I'm talking about a biblical marriage. In a biblical marriage, because I had taken my text out of Genesis chapter 2 a couple of weeks ago, we find three key elements in the first marriage. Number one, we found a man. Number two, we found a woman. Not two men, not two ladies, not your dog. One man and a woman, but there's a third element that is so very important for marriage. God in the midst. You can't get around it. In that first marriage, and the Bible teaches us uh, by uh, uh, examples and patterns and recipes in that pattern, if you're to have the marriage God intended from the beginning, remember Jesus said this, in the beginning, he says it was not so. They was talking about divorces and all this stuff. And by the way, uh, when I say that, I don't say that to make you feel bad if you've had that issue. They were abusing, men were abusing the element of divorce in the Bible biblically, because if they just didn't like how she looked or what happened, they'd write her a bill of divorcement and send her on her way. They begin to abuse that, and that was wrong. And God says, let me, let me set the record straight. In the beginning, it was a man and a woman and God in the midst, and he put them together. And whatsoever God hath put together, let no man put asunder. That's how it's supposed to be. You need those three elements in marriage if you're to do it God's way. If God is not in the midst of your marriage, you're going to have problems. It will not work. And then, to be saved and then choose not to live by God's command, let me put it to you like this, if you're saved and born again, and you're married, but you don't want to do it God's way, saying, I like the world's way better, you are antichrist. That is the very definition of antichrist. That means I'm opposed to what God says in the Word of God, and I'm not doing that. 
and that's your choice. Now, God commands the pastors to preach this. It's sound doctrine, right living. And he says, verse 15, we did not read it, but let me read it now. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise. He says, pastor, you're going to have to preach it. You're going to have to teach it. Sometimes you'll have to rebuke people when they won't do it right. But you need to speak it and let no one despise you in that. The first point today that we see here in verse 4 is I want to talk about the premise in marriage. That premise. He says, he uses that word sober. Sober. Ladies, if you're to be a home builder, like the Bible says that a wise woman is, you're to be a home builder, there is a premise. Before you ever say, I do, before you ever set up house, there's a premise you're to be sober, shouldn't, and that means not under the influence. We're familiar with that term. But it also means not wild, not mad. So you should be uh, uh, sober, not under the influence of the world. See, the world has a way that it wants uh, uh, marriages to run. And by the way, they don't work out so well. Satan has an ideal about marriage. And you ought to be careful and be sober. You don't want to be under the influence of Satan in your marriage. But by, I threw this in here because it just hit me. Uh, and, and ladies, you want to be sober. You do not want to be under the influence of a Jezebel spirit. Remember Jezebel? That prophetess? See, when, when, when women want to talk about uh, women preachers, they'll never talk about Jezebel. But Jezebel was a woman preacher. That was anti-God. There are no such thing as God-called women preachers. But you will find them because the devil calls them. Oh, I've made people mad now. I'm sorry. No, I'm not really. <laughs> God doesn't call women preachers. Not to preach over men, he don't. The Bible's clear on that. Oh, boy. And see, now, now, now we'll get to people that are being influenced by Satan in the world. That means you're not sober and influenced by that Jezebel spirit. Let me give you some of the uh, tell signs. The ends justify the means. That's a Jezebel spirit, remember? Jezebel, Ahab, come home uh, all mad because he wanted Naboth's vineyard. And so Jezebel devised a lie, a false accuser, and had Naboth stoned and she's her her justification was the ends justify the means i'll get what i want boy don't get in my way i'll do what i want that jezebel spirit says you don't tell me i'll tell you that jezebel spirit says dress loud and proud that means it's in your face that's not meek. That's not modest. That has nothing to do with it. And, and when you fall into that, your premise needs to be right and not to be under the influence because he commands the wife to be sober. You need to be on guard against these things. But then he commands her, the premise, the whole foundation is to love their own husbands and their children. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This kind of love, it has to be taught. It, you do not come automatically hardwired for this level of love. Now, there are three levels to love. 
And you need to know this. There's what the Bible calls the love of enemies. Remember? The Bible commands us to love our enemies. And then he says, If thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him to drink. And that's the verse I quote to any wife that, that doesn't want to uh, uh, help her husband. You know, when they want, you know, most marriages, here's why I'm all get it out. Most marriages are not operating at the enemy love level. Oh, honey, I'm hungry. What are we going to do? I don't know. Get it yourself, whatever it is. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm fishing for whales. <laughs> I'm getting them with minners. Well, the Bible commands you, is your, is your spouse your enemy? Ladies, are your husbands your enemy? Your enemy, the Bible commands you, if they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them drink. Most marriages are not operating at that level. Do you, want, do you see why we're having problems in today's society? Say, well, he's got two feet. He can get it himself. And, and I understand that. I, I understand that to a point. I, I really do. I do. I get that. Especially if mama's got four or five kids running around she's got to try to keep up with. Daddy can help out a little bit. But you understand my mindset or the Bible's mindset. You're not even willing to put a meal together for your family, for your children. I don't care about the kids. Let them figure it out on their own. You've got problems, ladies. You've got problems, wife. And the Bible commands you, if they're your enemy, you at least are duty-bound to give them food and water. But our homes are not operating that way. But then there's the second level of love. And this is why he says you need to love your husbands and love your children. The second level of love is family love. Love like a family. The Bible says this in John or 1 John 3, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and he, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He's talking about family. And the love like a family, but whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? And he says, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deeds and truth. You say, well, what level of love is that? It's the level of love that you have for your siblings. You could fight and squabble, but boy, if somebody else jumps on them, you're right there by your family's side, right? Amen. And that's how you should be with your spouses. You should be together. It's family. Yeah, you might not always agree. You might have conflicts. You might have different views. But buddy, you're going to face the problems in life together as a unit because you're a family. And that's what families do. That's called love like a family. And that's how our churches are to operate at that level. No less than that level. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ here this morning. And I am your brother in Christ this morning. And we're to have bowels of mercy for each other. And if we see a need, we need to take the lead and help out. Whether it be counsel, whether it be monetary. But we're to be there for one another. Stand up for one another and defend one another. Well, we're not even doing that in our homes. Most marriages never even get to that level. Now, mothers will generally do that with their children. I've learned that the hard way. 
Don't say nothing bad about somebody's kids. Not down here in the South. Y'all cray cray. Say something bad about one of your kids. You come on the warpath. You're like a mother grizzly bear. Got big claws. And I can't quite run like I used to. But I've got news for you. When your little kitties are disrupting a service or out of order, you know me. I got a low tolerance for that. I'm going to probably say something. And mommy should be in line and say, you know what? You're right. Get in here. (laughs) But we understand it when it comes to our children, but we don't understand that when it comes to our husbands. Right, ladies? You're to be there for your husband. You're to support him. You're to encourage him. Men, most typically, they like and they thrive on words of affirmation. Oh, yeah, well, not my husband. He's a goofball. He don't need to hear you say that. That really hurts him. Even if he said it doesn't bother him, it, it hurts him. It hurts him. Well, you just don't know my husband. You picked him. What's that say about you? You picked him. You picked him. And now you're going to have to uh, make good out of the situation. And you can. You can take two losers and put them together. If they'll just do it God's way, they'll have a great marriage and a great life. Do you think I've always been like this? <laughs> Sweet and kind and loving? No, it was work. Jenny's trained me well. She's worked hard these years. No, we, but we have grown together. But I will say one thing. She's always been there to defend me, to support me, to help me along. And we work and we've learned how to work off each other's strengths. That's just the second level of there's one more level of love. And this is the level of love that's got to be taught. But you will not operate at this level if you're not born again. And that's called sacrificial love. You see... This level of love is the foundation for all domestic happiness. Sacrificial love. That's Christ-like love. Ephesians 5.25, and I'm again on the men. Well, I'm supposed to be on the ladies, but it applies both ways. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I'm using this to introduce this level of love that very, very few people live at in their marriages. And it's commanded. It must be taught. Uh, The older ladies should be teaching the younger ladies how to love at this level. This is called sacrificial love. This has to be the thinking of the husbands and wife if you are to have a godly marriage. This should be your premise. You should understand and know that you're going to have to operate at a sacrificial love level. Boy, we could go to 1 Corinthians 13 because he says, Charity covereth the multitude of sins. And ladies, I understand this, that the honeymoon was probably over quicker for you than it was for him about the time you had to do laundry the first time. okay so you got to be taught how to love this is a mental aptitude most people today have not been taught to love at this level to sacrifice what you want to benefit your spouse there it is well i'll have you know i got my mind i got my life i got my career at the cost of your children 
at the cost of your children, at the cost of your family. This is not a, a problem that's been going on for the last five years. This started way before. So that's the premise in marriage. And before you begin to presuppose that I'm telling you that women are not to work outside the home, you're wrong. That's not a biblical wife. Let me tell you something, ladies. I'm glad I'm not a lady. I'm glad. Why? Because God is going to have you work twice as hard as the men. And, and men, I have learned in these last 10, 15 years that a woman will outwork a man 10 to 1 every time. It's just the way it is. You've heard it. Men work from sun to sun, but a woman's work is never done. Why is that? Well, a biblical woman not only guides the house, runs the house, but she works outside the house too. The Bible says she can, she can do that if she wants to. I've been accused of that so many times. That's why I'm being real careful here. People say, well, you're preaching that women can't work or have careers outside the home. It's not what I'm saying. That's not what the Bible's saying. But he is saying you have a priority, mothers and wives. And your first priority is the home life. Now, if you can multitask and you can do that and bring it home also, the bacon, then good on you. And by the way, I'll get to the men because men, don't you think you're off the hook? Well, that's great. My wife's got to run the house and do everything in the house, plus work a job and bring and help me pay the bills. Let me tell you something, men. When you jump out of God's order, then you're going to have to help out around the house too. Oh, and by the way, when I said she was the head chef in the home, that means she's a delegator. That means she's going to write a list down because if she's got to work a job to help you do your part on the outside to bring the money in, then you're going to have a part. She's going to assign you a part in the home. You might have to do the laundry. You might have to do the dishes. You might have to do the cooking, but you're going to have a part to play just in case any men had the idea that he was going to go home and say, hey, you see what that preacher, he set you right you got to work full-time job, plus keep up with the house. By the way, get my glass of tea. Men, don't do that. You might get a skillet up your head. And let me tell you something. This is what the men have told me. <laughs> Just say yes, because alimonies you can't afford. <laughs> Child support. That's right. That's right. Let me tell you why we got the problems we got in the world today. People have been abusing this. Men have abused their wives. They've looked down and pushed their wives down. I am death on preachers. When I see them come through the door and I've invited them and they come in strutting like a peacock with a Bible under their arm. Their wife's got about five little kids, two diaper bags on their shoulders trying to get in. He's dressed like a million ducks, uh, bucks and she's, got, she's been dressed out a missionary bag. I got problems with that. I got real problems with that. You know why? Because I've been around that kind of stuff, and I know it. I've seen it. I can sense it. I can smell it, and I don't like it. Your wife should be treated like a queen. She's a queen, and she's the queen of the house. But the posture in marriage, this is called the right attitude, your posture. This emotion or attitude cannot ever be right if your thinking is not right. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you're not even thinking right about marriage, you'll never have the right attitude or emotion about marriage. And therefore, how you think creates the emotion and the emotion drives the behavior we got a lot, a lot of wrong behavior in our homes because we got the wrong emotions in the home because we got the wrong thinking about the home. The Bible's had the answers the whole time. 
This emotion or attitude is never right if the thinking's not right. The Bible says to be discreet. That's your posture. That's wise. That's prudent. You're trying to avoid errors. That's what the definition of the word discreet means. To be chaste. That's an attitude. That has to do with your ethics. That word chaste means free from obscenity. Mothers, you should not be dressing obscene. The Bible is clear to say that the ladies should be modest in their peril if you got into 1 Timothy. You, you, by the way, mothers, you are teaching your young ladies how to act and conduct themselves in society. It's not all about you. See, you're at that sacrificial love. You're going to have to put aside, and by the way, by the time you get about, it should happen by the time you get about 40, you know you're not all that. One of, the, one of the ugliest things that you'll ever see is some 60, 70-year-old woman trying to dress like she's a teenager. You know it. You've seen it. And I'm not saying, look, if the barn needs painted, paint it. Yes, I believe in makeup. I believe in jewelry. I believe in, and, and, and the wives able to get their hairs fixed. And the, as I said last week, they need uh, wardrobe changes. They need to be able to buy clothing that make themselves a beautiful. A woman wants to be beautiful, but you know what I mean. Chaste, free from obscenity, pure from all commerce of sexes. That's right. You shouldn't dress like you we're actually on the street corner in the wrong side of town right before you come to church. Now I'm keeping it clean. I'm keeping it right because that's what we should do. We're in a pulpit. But you know what I mean. That's called the right posture in marriage. But how about the performance? Let's get us to the performance quickly. This is the activity, verse 5. Look with me. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. Uh-oh. This is a skill. He's talking about the skill level of the woman in the marriage. Your skill, your ability to perform. And it must be taught by the older ladies. And it should be a mother. That means you're to be a keeper of home. What's he mean by that? Well, let me share this with you in 1 Timothy 5, and I'm going to hurry now. Verse 14 says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children. But here's our phrase, guide the house. Say, what's that say? What's that mean? That means you, the wife, are responsible for what day the laundry gets done. You say, but I can't get it done. Then delegate it. We've got too many young teenagers that are growing up trying to start adult life that know nothing about doing laundry. And mother, if your children are at least 10 years old and you're still trying to clean their rooms and, and do all that, you're, you're hurting your children. They need to learn how to keep their area clean. Let me give you the mindset on this. Your children that are living in your home, that room that you allow them to use, that's not their room. That's your room. That's your room, and they're responsible to keep it clean to your standard. You're to teach them that and to teach them the value of property and other people's property and proper social behavior. And we have a generation that does not know how to act in their public because they've not been taught because they think everything's theirs and they're entitled to it. 
A lot of problems can be avoided just by setting the right mindset in the home. That's not your room. That's my room. That's daddy and mommy's room. We're paying the bills around here. We're paying the rent around here. And that's not clean. Get it clean. It ain't going to hurt them to learn how to do something. It's not going to hurt them to learn how to sort laundry. Mommies, it's not hurtful to teach your young girls how to cook and to clean around the house. And men, it's not hurtful to have your boys learn Learn how to mow the grass outside. Learn how to paint around the trim around the house when that's times due. They need to be taught that. That don't just poof magically happen. Learn a little something about gardening and how to live off the land if they have to. These things are taught. But the mother is to have the guide to care in that. She's in charge of it. And that's your first priority. That's what he's saying here. You're a keeper at home. That A keeper, uh, think about, and the ladies will love this, zookeeper. You're the zookeeper at the house. You say, well, preacher, I thought you were going to tell me that I had to keep my mouth shut and I didn't have a say in the home. That's not what the Bible's saying. Have you seen me exempt or exemplify that type of behavior these nine years? <laughs> And you can answer this if you want to. Who, who runs the show uh, in my life? Yeah, you all know. Yeah, Jenny does. it. If you want to know something of what's going on, who, who generally knows? Who do you go to, Jen? It doesn't mean we haven't talked about it, executed it. But she knows she's my help meet. She's not an underling. She's the first lady of the church. She's my queen. Absolutely. I don't know why that phrase, she's the queen of my double wide trailer. We don't live in one. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Grew up listening to that stuff. I wasn't supposed to, but I did. Now I'm paying for it. I think I could probably sing the first bar of that song. <laughs> she's the queen of the household. God said she was. She's the keeper. Ladies should know how to run a household. What foods need to be stocked? The laundry schedule and how to do it. How to clean the house and set and see that it gets done. This also means you should know how to delegate, mothers. You can't do it all. You can't do it all. You say, yeah, because a lot of today's mothers and women, they got to work a full-time job. Thank God for it. Because you want a higher standard of quality of life. That's okay. But you also have the priority in the home. And that means you know you can't work from 8 to 8 and then come home, do the laundry, mop the floors, and cook a meal too, right? You know you can't. You know what that means? That means you're going to get a little list out. You can put it right on that refrigerator. You know why? Because that's where men go. That's where they congregate. you got to know men, ladies. Go to the fridge. It's the first thing I do. If Jen's not around, I want to see what kind of trouble I can get into. I go to the fridge, and it's right there. You, take laundry down. Ooh, I don't want to take laundry down. So what? Yes, ma'am. Take the trash out. Shouldn't have to be told to do that. Yeah. I always got to be told. Why? I got one of those resistant jeans right down my back. I hated it. It was one of the jobs I hated when I was home. But it's right. The mother shouldn't have to do that. It's the job of the man or the boys. 
You might have to delegate some household chores, and it's biblically your right to do that. You need to be good. That means valid, not weak, not false, useful. Be obedient to your own husbands. Yes, lady, you did pick your boss. Think of the head of the household. you got to think with me, and I'm, I'm going to close. In an agricultural age, and that's the time that the Bible was written, that the man, they, they were outside because they had to take care of the herds, the flocks. And so they were free grazers. And so the man's job was to know where the good grass was that moved the household. So the man's job, he was head over the household as far as the long-term vision and where they were going to live and where they were going to go. But the wife, oh, as soon as that tent was set up, she was in charge. You want lamb chops? You better go get one. <laughs> Bring it in here. She was the queen then. So the men, yeah, they're the heads. And I'm not trying to demasculate our men, but I'm telling you this thing's been taught wrong too long and it's done an injustice to Scripture. And that's why women today feel like I definitely don't want a biblical marriage because I don't feel like being thrown in a corner. I can't have a voice. I can't have my personal thoughts. And I got to stay barefoot and pregnant. And, and I got to beg for every scrap I get. I've known men that were members of health clubs and they spent money on their personal welfare and how they looked, but wouldn't even let their wife leave the house to go grocery shopping without their permission. And how they knew if she had left or not is because they would put a, a tape on the doors of the car. And when they come home, they wanted to see if it had been disturbed. You know, I got news for you. That's wrong. And that ain't right. That is not right. And ladies, if you're looking for a husband, if you ever are uncomfortable, there's a problem. That's not right. Why is this important? Well, the Bible says here that the word of God be not blasphemed. Here's what happens when you're a Christian, but you're not going to have a biblical marriage. People observe you. And if the observed effect of the gospel were to make women worse wives, then it would not commend it to the heathen. That means when people are looking at you and how you're living your Christian life and your marriage and it's not right, what makes you think that the lost world wants anything that you have? That's what's wrong with churches in America. This world, hey, people are not dumb. They're looking at the dysfunctional so-called Christian families and like, why would I want your gospel? It's not made you better. They got a valid point. And I believe we do more harm to the body of Christ in the gospel than we help it. God forbid and help us to get back to that biblical model. But ladies, you have an awesome responsibility to guide that house. Yes, you're to uh, obey your own husbands in the Lord. And I don't have time to break that all down. But I, I hope that I have spoke in such a way that you understand that the Bible never indicates for a moment that a wife, a mother, is somebody that's supposed to be subdominant in a home and, and to be some type of underling. 
And I do not want my men to go out of here thinking, that's right, the preacher nailed the ladies and plowed their corn. Now you get over here and get my iced tea. And by the way, you make my plate. That's not what the Bible says, and that's not right. It's not biblical, and it makes God sick. God did not give you a wife to mistreat or to use as a personal slave. God gave you a wife to cherish, and she has a lot of power in that home. We need to cherish our wives. And the Bible commands the men to love their wives like their own body. Like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Men, I'll be on you in June. But ladies, that's your place. That's God's message to you. And the older ladies should be teaching you that. And by the way, someone's going to have to teach you how to love your husband and your children the way God has intended for you to love them. Let's all stand this morning.